If you've never thought about growth muscles as being a real thing, I'm here to tell you they are. And what I've learned is they develop the same way physical muscles do in our bodies by increasing repetition over time. Hey, I'm Amy Barge, your personal growth environment specialist, and my passion is to help you go from living by default, doing without thinking, to living by design, by growing on purpose. Now, if you're wondering, okay, what does that look like really? I'm here to be your tour guide because as someone who has survived the three big Ds, death of my parents, a painful divorce, and being downsized from two different jobs, I've discovered some insanely practical tips that have helped to keep the gremlin of fear and doubt from taking up rental space on my mental couch. I don't know the exact words your gremlin may be telling you, but I do know this. You're smarter than you think, and you're more resilient than you know. And you're absolutely in the right place if you're ready to give your mindset muscles a workout and get growing. Welcome to the Growing with Amy podcast. A few years ago, Sam and I went to see our niece Haley graduate from The Ohio State. Yeah, she's the same one who uh, wrote me the note that I mentioned in the last episode. She had an amazing experience while she was there. And she also faced a lot of challenges. I remember that first summer, she drove back and forth so many times from Fishers as a part of the practice and audition process to be in the best damn band in the land, which, by the way, she made it and she played bass drum. She also had to navigate her way through all these different living situations, which is part of the college experience, right? And then she had to figure out all of the embassy red tape to be able to spend a semester abroad in France. But when I say all that, you may be thinking, well, yeah, that's what you do when you're in college. And you would be right. I mean, we all just know what you expect when you go to college. And there are a lot of things that are new. and the, uh, They just test you and stretch you and challenge you pretty much nonstop. That nonstop challenge is actually another characteristic in creating a growth environment. And here it is. Challenge is continual. Now, now before you say, wait, nobody wants to do that. Let me explain a little bit more. Think for a minute about the last time you felt like you were really being challenged. My guess is it didn't happen when you were curled up on the couch watching sports or binging on Netflix. Nothing wrong with those. But you would probably agree that doing that 24-7 just isn't the way you want to live your life. I mean, you'd get tired of that after a while. The last time you were challenged most likely was when something required you to think. I mean, when you really stop to think about what it is that challenges us, it's what makes us think. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't spend a whole lot of time really thinking. We're much better at doing. We like having our lists that we can check off and it shows that we've done something. And thinking can be easy to kind of relegate to one of those activities that are nice to have, but don't really need it. 
One of my all-time favorite quotes is by George Bernard Shaw, who said, 2% of people think, 3% of people think that they think, and 95% of people would rather die than think. I mean, think about it. Thinking is hard work. Being asked to think through a problem to get a solution, that's challenging. Not long after my divorce, I had all of these, I'll I'll call them major house issues. The air conditioner quit. The basement flooded. And then there was just something with this little trap underneath the kitchen sink. Things that I had no experience handling. And I remember each time something like that came up, my initial thought was, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then my next thought was, okay, well... I guess I need to figure this out. Don't get me wrong. At that point, I was not saying, oh, wow, this is a new fun thing to learn. I did eventually graduate to that, but it was because that every challenge I had where I was able to figure out something, I discovered that, oh my gosh, once the repairman was in my home, I could watch and ask questions and learn. And every time I did that, I felt kind of empowered. And all those guys, yes, they were all men, they they were really kind and patient, and they seemed kind of glad that I was taking an interest in what they were doing and how they were doing it, so they didn't mind answering my questions. There's something about being challenged that provides an opportunity for us to grow and be changed. That definitely happened for me. But let's bring this back to you and to a work setting. So think about the last time you felt like you were being challenged at work. Was it because the task in front of you was like physically challenging? Or was it because you had to think through a certain situation and figure out what to do or how to do it. See, when we're challenged to think, that's when we begin to tap into what is truly our potential to, you know, dig deep and consider different options, work through those possibilities. So what does that look like in real life for your team and for yourself? I'm going to give you three practical steps that I really think you can apply to both situations. And just like the one I mentioned in the last episode, this is easier to do for others than it is to do for ourselves. So the first one is something that may surprise you. It's that you have to care too much to allow people or yourself to stay the same. Think about it. The person who's in a hurry to get their list completed, they're going to be focused on how quickly they can do X so they can move on to Y. And if a person on their team is not expressing a real interest in learning or they seem like they're busy doing other things or they had this question whether that person can do it as well as they can do it, then it's just easier to leave that person the same and move on with doing it themselves. 
caring about the development of someone else, it means you're willing to put them in the challenge zone. You have to let people feel the squeeze of that situation without bailing them out, allowing them to really think through it. This is one of the things I love the most about the coaching process, because when a client comes to a session with an issue or some problem that they're wanting to solve, my role as the coach is not to tell them what to do. It's to ask them questions and to get them to think about the situation, you know, what might work or why they feel stuck, what they did in a similar situation. And so many times what will happen is they'll say things like, oh, wow, I really needed to say all that out loud, or I didn't even realize I was thinking that until you asked me the question. Or they'll come up with a solution that before that moment had never even crossed their mind. If I just told them what to do, there's a chance that what I suggested might work, but there's a greater chance that they would leave thinking, you know, she she just really doesn't get it. And then they tell themselves all the reasons that my idea wasn't a good one. But when people think things through themselves and they come up with a possible solution, a couple of things happen. One is that they're far more likely to try what they came up with because, hey, it was their idea. And two, they're going to feel even more empowered when their idea does work because, again, it was their idea. So when you care too much to allow people to stay the same, You're creating that continual challenge environment. The second way you know you're doing that is if you provide them opportunities to attempt something they've never done before. Now, I don't mean just throwing people to the wolves every day. That would be exhausting and kind of mean. But I do mean allowing situations where the people on your team have these four things in place. First, they're responsible for the outcome. And then they are given the authority to make decisions. And then they're asked questions, so they'll reflect on what has happened. And then finally, they're encouraged to decide what needs to be changed or tweaked. So many times what happens is people are given the responsibility but no authority to really solve the problem. This is another one of those simple but not easy situations. There are a lot of those with growth. I remember a friend of mine telling me about how one boss that she had used to send her out in the city for a meeting or to pick up something for the team that took her somewhere she'd never been before. And she had to figure out the best route to get there and how much time to allow and where she was going to park. I think this might have even been before the days of GPS. But you've probably had the experience even with GPS where things don't always go the way you think they're going to go. And that example of allowing the team member to figure it out on their own is a way of keeping that sense of challenge top of mind. Now, to put a little bit of a boundary on this, a few years ago at 
the Global Leadership Summit, I remember hearing one of the speakers talk about this idea of a challenging environment. And what he said was that people actually perform better when they are not in their comfort zone. In other words, if what they're doing is too easy or too routine, or they're too able to do it without thinking, uh, which is what I call living by default, they're much more likely to not be that happy or even that productive. And then the flip side of that was if they're being asked to do something that was perceived as unreasonable or impossible, then their performance tanked in those situations because it just seems so hopeless. The place where they actually did the best and felt the best about what they were doing was when they were just outside their comfort zone in the challenge zone, but not in the impossible zone. The third way you know you're creating that continual challenge growth environment is when people start talking about how they're being challenged and growing in the process. So I've mentioned it before, I will talk about it often, that is the environment of Maxwell Leadership. I still remember having dinner with a group of people after a long day at that conference, and the conversation around the table was about things that people had learned that day, for real. I mean, I've been to a lot of conferences in my life, and so many times the dinner conversation ends up being about kids or sports, which I'll just add, those are fine topics. But it was more about that than about all of this content that we had just learned. I had talked about this special growth environment of Maxwell Leadership to Sam pretty much ad nauseum since day one. And I constantly would say things like, you know, you should really go with me sometime, or I know you'd love it. How about next time? And finally, after six years, he agreed to go. I still remember we were waiting for our flight that day, and he said, "Uh, you know this is a one and done for me. This is your thing, not mine. And my insides were screaming, no, you can't mean that. But out loud, I just said, okay. Well, after a day and a half of being at the Maxwell Conference in the room, he looked at me and he said, babe, you were right. I needed to be here to really get it, and I get it. I'll come back. So after I did my not-so-quiet victory dance, I pressed him a little on what he meant when he said, the people here are different. After I did my not-so-quiet victory dance, I pressed him a little on what he meant. And he said, the people here are different. I've had some really great conversations about things related to growth and leadership that I just haven't ever had anywhere else. And we talked about how when you're around people who think like that and talk like that, it kind of makes you want to you know, up your own game and challenge yourself to be better. So if you're leading a team or your family and you know you want it to be a growth environment, care enough not to let your people stay the same. Provide them with opportunities to do something they haven't done before. 
and start talking about your growth and where you see things changing in and for you. Okay, so that's for your team. But what about for you personally? How do you make sure you are keeping yourself continually challenged? My favorite insanely practical question for this one is this. When was the last time you did something for the first time? If you can't think of anything in the last, I don't know, month or so, it's a pretty safe bet you're getting comfy. And growth does not happen when you're comfy. I mentioned this briefly in episode one when I shared several of my firsts after my divorce. And one of those was getting connected with these dating sites for singles. And at that time, I was living in a suburb of Chicago, about 30 minutes uh, south of the city. And I was working in an office that was close to what uh, was then called Comiskey Park. I don't even know what they call it now. But anyway, not quite into downtown. But my point is, I had driven close to downtown, but not all the way downtown. And this singles event that I had decided to attend was downtown Chicago. I still remember that feeling of being in my car, heading to this place that I had never been, and just feeling the feels of being nervous and a little scared, uncertain of what I was going to experience, but at the same time, a little bit excited, and that I was doing it all by myself. So the event was at this clubhouse of one of the members of the group, and it was on the rooftop of the building where he lived. Believe it or not, it was a potluck where everybody brought food. Anyway, I get my my plate of food, and I stepped out onto this big balcony area, and I look around the crowd, and there were two places that I could sit. One was at a table that was all full except for one seat, and it had both men and women sitting at the table. The other was a table of all men. So I stood there with a decision. Did I sit where I could just like slip in and barely be noticed? Or did I go sit with that table of all men where I knew I would definitely be engaged in conversation? And I remember thinking to myself, Amy, you came here to meet men. Go sit with the men. So the men won. That's where I went. I don't remember all of the men's names from that night, but I do remember things about them. One was this guy who played the organ at a college nearby, and another one owned a chain of car washes, and another one had this big gold chain necklace that was too big and too gold, (laughs) and then another one I dubbed Comb Over Ed because of his hairstyle. And I knew as I sat there chatting that night that none of those guys was going to be my Mr. Right. Although uh, the gold necklace dude did slide his business card across the table to me and said, call me. Yeah, I didn't. But I remember as I drove home that I was very aware that the experience was way less about any of the men that I met and a lot more about me and how I had chosen to show up. When you've gone through a divorce it can really do a number on your self-esteem and your willingness to risk and to trust. And I sensed even back then that every time I pushed myself to do something new that made me feel afraid 
I was building my growth muscle, although I didn't know to call it that at the time. But what I've learned about growth muscles is that they develop the same way physical muscles do in our bodies with increased repetition over time. I mean, if I had stopped after that one experience of attending a singles event because I didn't meet Mr. Wright, I would have missed out on so many opportunities to grow. And ultimately, I would have missed out on meeting Sam. That's a story for another episode. So as I wrap this up with one final story, I'm going to come back to you. Being willing to keep yourself in that state of continual challenge is a challenge because it's easier to stay comfortable right where we are. A few years ago, we had these dahlias in clay pots on our deck, and they looked great for about two weeks. And then after that, it was like nothing I tried worked. I moved them around, and I fed them, and I watered them more, and I watered them less. I even tried talking to them, but they just never did thrive. I'd get like one kind of wimpy bloom, and that was it. So that fall, when we cleaned things off the deck, I just stuck the pots with the plants still in them in the garage. And I said to myself, well, at least I can reuse those pots. So the next spring, we had our mulch delivered. And I was like, hey, I'll use those clay pots to hold the tarp down over the mulch until we have time to spread it. And after a few days, Sam said, babe, those pots are blooming. And sure enough, each pot had a little sprig of green coming up through the dirt. Now, I thought dahlias were an annual. So I was completely shocked that they were actually trying to grow. I knew they weren't going to thrive on that deck, so just kind of on a whim, I dug some holes and put them in the ground underneath the redbud tree we had out in our yard. I wish I could show you a picture of what those dahlias did that year because they bloomed with multiple blooms all summer long, all these glorious colors. And every time I looked out my kitchen window, it was like I had this bouquet of beauty underneath that tree. And then one day it hit me. Those flowers had survived, barely, in the pots on the deck. But for them to really thrive they needed to be in a different environment, one that gave them what they needed so they could flourish. And I have come to believe that so often, we as people, we're just like those dahlias. And it's easy to stay confined in a clay pot because it's what we've always known or it's what we've always done. There's actually a name for that. It's called destination disease. Yeah, you're surviving, but you're not thriving. If you've ever wondered where you might be stuck or what might be keeping you from really growing, go to my website, amybarge.com, A-M-Y-B-A-R-G.com. And in the upper left-hand corner of the homepage, there's this image that says blind spot glasses. Click on that and you'll get a free resource that will tell you some of the most common reasons people stay stuck and not growing. So here's my question for you. Where do you need to challenge yourself to get out of the clay pot and into the yard so you 
can really grow and thrive. For challenges to be continual, we have to be in an environment that requires thinking. I don't know where you are in your thinking after listening to this today, but I hope that you care too much about yourself to stay the same. Here's your great big woohoo for completing another episode of the Growing with Amy podcast. I want to encourage you, let something you heard nudge something you'll do. And until next time, remember, to be going somewhere, you've got to be growing somewhere. Bye for now.